Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, this week's episode was supposed to be a live record from Writers' Week at the Adelaide Festival, which is where I was over the weekend. And thank you very much, Adelaide Writers' Festival, for having me because it was so much fun. It was such a great event because it's the first event in Australia, the uh, big event, a literary event or any type of event where people have been able to get together and in crowds in like a year for obvious reasons. So it was really exciting just to see everyone. They held it all outdoors. And uh, so all the speakers were speaking under like canopies and under trees. And there was these great big crowds of people all gathered under the shade of the trees. And there was a breeze. It was a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. So it was a wonderful weekend in Adelaide. And I was so excited to go. They they really wanted me to do a fairy tale because, you know, the podcast has been doing so well. So I said, okay. And I wrote one specially to perform and I was going to do a live record. I had like a lapel mic and I was recording it in my pocket. Unfortunately, uh, the the microphone at the festival was one of those headset microphones and uh, it was outside and it was in like a tent kind of thing. So the sound was not good and uh, it was really buzzy. And so I can't really use the live recording I did because it would drive you nuts. It would drive me nuts anyway, because it was buzzing and all the peas were popping like that, but only a lot worse and constantly. So I'm, I've, I'm home now. I got home late last night. And so I'm in my office first thing Monday morning and I am going to re-record the story for you right now so you can enjoy it. But I just wanted to say thank you, Adelaide Festival. And it was so good to have an event and have everybody together again to tell stories to each other. So now I'm going to tell you the story I told those lovely people. So this is the story I wrote, and it's The Elves and the Shoemaker, as told by Nanny Piggins. Did I ever tell you the story about my cousin, the cobbler? asked Nanny Piggins. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children happened to be eating apple cobbler at the time. Apple cobbler is a delicious dessert made with stewed apples and sweet dumplings baked on top. Nanny Piggins' version of apple cobbler was particularly delicious because she had tweaked the recipe. Instead of just apples, she added chocolate. In fact, five kilos of chocolate for every one kilo of apples. She said this was necessary to balance the flavour. And the children did not argue. After one serving, they were too sugar-addled to say anything rational anyway. So when Nanny Piggins said she was related to a cobbler, this did somewhat confuse poor Michael. You're related to a fruit-based dessert, he asked, which was not such a ridiculous question. Nanny Piggins was a pig, and yet she managed to be related to a bear, her brother, and they had recently discovered a goat, a distant cousin. To be related to a dessert might seem strange for a normal person, but Nanny Piggins was in every way so extraordinary, it was just the type of thing she'd find some way of doing. No, of course not, said Nanny Piggins. I do have a distant aunt who claimed to be a Pavlova, but it turned out she was simply the ballet dancer the Pavlova was named after, so we stopped being impressed. 
Right, said Michael, although he still did not understand in the least. No, this relative was a cobbler, as in a person who makes shoes, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, said the children, catching on. Of course, her life was terribly hard, said Nanny Piggins. Was she bad at making shoes, asked Derek. No, quite the opposite, said Nanny Piggins. No, her life was hard because of the rampant piggism in the shoe industry. The what, asked Samantha? Piggism, said Nanny Piggins. You've got to understand that back in the olden story days, people were not as forward-thinking as they are today. People were so narrow-minded that they preferred to wear shoes that had not been made by a pig. The children thought about this for a moment. Nanny Piggins had raised them to know that piggism was wrong. But that said, they could understand someone having a preference for a shoe made by an animal with opposable thumbs but they realised that saying this to Nanny Piggins would not be wise. So anyway, my poor cousin Matilda and her husband struggled year after year to make ends meet, continued Nanny Piggins. It got to the point where they had so little money they could not even afford to buy. Nanny Piggins got emotional here and struggled to continue. It's all right, Nanny Piggins, said Samantha kindly. If it's too hard for you to go on, we don't need a story. No, said Nanny Piggins. Poor Matilda's story needs to be told. It may be brutal, heartbreaking and distressing for your young ears to hear. But you cannot be sheltered from the grim reality of life forever. Matilda and her husband were so poor they could not afford cake. Boris broke down and wailed. (laughs) That's terrible! It gets worse, said Nanny Piggins. Because they could not afford cake, they were reduced to eating this dreadful, sugar-free substance that people say is food, but I'm not entirely convinced it is. It's called Briard. Briard? asked Derek. He had never heard this word before. Do you mean bread? asked Michael. Yes, that's it, said Nanny Piggins. Disgusting stuff. Just plain solidified flour with air in it. It's the food equivalent of eating dishwater. Well, couldn't they just put a nice bit of honey on it? asked Boris. He was partial to a honey sandwich himself. And when I say partial, I mean he passionately loved honey sandwiches with every ounce of his considerable frame. They couldn't afford honey, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, dear chocolate, wailed Boris. This story is horrendous. I can't bear to listen. And I'm a bear, so I'm usually very good at bearing. This was not true. Boris was not good at bearing in the sense of tolerating something unpleasant at all. He was a bear and therefore good at that. So close enough. It was terrible, agreed Nanny Piggins. It's so exhausting being poor and hungry, especially for pigs. Is it? asked Derek. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. You see, we love food so much that when we don't get any, it's so much more dreadful. The children thought about this. They guess it kind of made sense. So anyway, Matilda and her husband only had enough shoe leather left to make one pair of shoes, said Nanny Piggins. If no one came in and ordered a pair of shoes, they would starve or have to grow vegetables and eat them, which sounds so dreadful. I'm sure they'd rather starve. The story is awful, wailed Boris. Don't worry, I'm coming to a good bit, said Nanny Piggins. Matilda and her husband were just despairing and bemoaning their wretched lives when the shop bell tinkled. They looked up to see that a man had entered.
A customer had not entered in so long they assumed it was someone who was lost, or perhaps a bank robber who was looking for a place to hide from the police. But no, this was an actual customer for them, wanting to buy shoes. Matilda rushed forward and measured his feet. Her husband showed the customer pictures of the styles he could choose from. The customer picked what he wanted and said he'd be back in the morning to collect his shoes. Matilda and her husband were overjoyed. They would have jumped up and down with glee, except they were so exhausted from starvation. Matilda got out her tools and started preparing the leather and cutting it into the necessary shapes. But it had been such a long day, and she soon became too tired. Plus, it was getting dark and there were no candles. So Matilda decided to go to bed and wake up early the next morning to sew the shoes together. And that's what they did. But the next morning, they overslept. I'm not sure why. The village cockerel must have had a frog in his throat. Perhaps literally. I suppose cockles do eat frogs. I'll have to ask the next one I meet. Anyway, Matilda and her husband were awoken by the tinkle of the shop bell. Oh no, said Matilda. It's the man returning and I haven't made his shoes. We'll have to plead with him to have mercy on us, said her husband. Or bop him on the head with a frying pan when the opportunity presents itself, suggested Matilda. She hurried out to the shop, grabbing up a frying pan just in case, and threw open the door, bracing herself for the inevitable onslaught of abuse. But as soon as the man stepped into the shop, his eyes lit up and he gasped with pleasure. Why, they are the most magnificent shoes I've ever seen, exclaimed the man. Matilda turned and saw that the shoes, as if by magic, had been made, and they did look beautiful. She was a very fine shoemaker, and these were every bit as good as a pair she would make herself. Oh, of course, yes, these shoes that I made earlier, said Matilda, handing them to him. The man paid for them and left. Matilda and her husband were overjoyed. They hadn't had any actual money in such a long time. So they rushed straight to the nearest bakery and bought a celebratory cake. Was that a responsible way to manage their finances, asked Samantha? Of course not, declared Nanny Piggins. Matilda was a Piggins. She wouldn't dream of behaving responsibly when there's cake to be eaten. So they lived happily ever after then, asked Derek. No, sadly, they got carried away and ate lots of cake, spending all the money, said Nanny Piggins. So they were right back where they started. By two o'clock in the afternoon, they were starving. Hadn't they just eaten cake, asked Derek? They were pigs, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. They had the metabolisms of elite athletes. They were ravishingly hungry again. Don't you mean ravenously hungry, asked Samantha? No, I mean ravishingly, said Nanny Piggins. Matilda was a Piggins after all, so she wasn't just good at making shoes. She was staggeringly beautiful as well. They were just starting to moan with hunger and despair when the shop bell tinkled. This time, two women customers walked in. Matilda and her husband were shocked. They'd never had two customers in their shop simultaneously before. Apparently, the women had seen the man dancing down the street in his fabulous new shoes and asked where he got them. Now they wanted some as well. So Matilda set to work, cutting out the leather. But what with all the cake eating and the excitement, it was getting late in the day. It was too dark to keep working. So they went to bed, planning to get up early and make them in the morning. But they overslept again, guessed Michael. Yes, actually they did, said Nanny Piggins. It was the frog the cockerel had eaten the day before. It had been poisonous, so the cockerel was sick and slept in it himself. Instead, they were awoken by the tinkle of the shop bell. Matilda rushed out, frying pan in hand, ready to defend herself from the angry customers. But as soon as they stepped into the shop, the two women were delighted. 
there were the beautiful shoes, finished and waiting on the counter. They gave Matilda the money and left. Matilda and her husband couldn't believe it. Two days in a row, the shoes had been finished, as if by magic. There was only one thing they could do. Eat cake, guessed Samantha. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. They rushed to the bakery and spent all the money on cake. And by 2.15 in the afternoon, they were starving again. It took a little longer that day because they'd eaten twice as much cake. They had just staggered back to the shop, distraught because there was no way their amazing luck could continue, when four customers walked into the shop, all wanting shoes. And so it continued, day after day, more and more customers, more and more shoes miraculously made, and best of all, more and more cake. After about two weeks of this, Matilda became slightly less hungry, and she began to think about what was going on. Whoever's making up these shoes for us is doing us a very good deed, she said. Yes, agreed her husband. Tonight, said Matilda, let's hide in a closet and see who it is. So they did. They cut out the leather for the shoes and pretended to go to bed. Then they secretly crept back into the workshop and hid in a closet where they waited and waited. Fortunately, they'd had the foresight to pack supplies. They'd filled the closet with coffee cake, so they were neither hungry nor tired. Eventually, just as the village clock struck midnight, there was movement in the workshop. They were astonished to see three tiny little elves climb up on the workbench. These little elves looked just like regular pigs, except they had worn and ragged clothes. Well, wait, 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 said Michael. These elves were pigs? Of course, said Nanny Piggins. All elves are pigs. But they're always drawn as tiny humans in children's books, explained Samantha. Typical, said Nanny Piggins, and I bet these children's books were illustrated by humans too. I suppose so, said Samantha. Humans, they're so piggish they can't even see their piggism, muttered Nanny Piggins, shaking her head. No, in real life, elves are tiny pigs. The children worked hard to try and imagine what this looked like. They couldn't really. The tiny elves were so hard-working and they made such fine shoes and yet they looked so ragged themselves, it broke poor Matilda's heart to see them that way. They've been so good to us, helping us in our time of need, said Matilda. We must do something to help them. But what, asked her husband. I know, said Matilda. Let's make them a fine suit of clothes each. And that's what she did. Matilda made each elf a smart little outfit with trousers and shirts, waistcoat and jackets. That night, they lay the elves' clothes out on the workbench and then hid in the closet full of coffee cake, ready to watch. Again, at midnight, the elves appeared. They climbed up on the bench and when they saw their new outfits, they were overjoyed. Look at these fine clothes, exclaimed the elf. So beautifully made, said the second elf. We'll get a fortune when we sell them, said the third elf. On hearing this, Matilda burst out of her closet in a rage. How dare you! You can't sell these clothes! I made them with love and gratitude in my heart! They are a gift! And they're a lovely gift, said the elf. But not as lovely as a big slice of chocolate cake, said the second elf. That's what you're going to spend the money on, asked Matilda. We love cake, confessed the third elf. So do we, exclaimed Matilda. Let's make more fancy elf clothes and shoes so we can get even more cake. The elves cheered with delight. Yippee! Then they all sat around stitching fine miniature clothing and beautiful shoes all night long. And the next day, the shoe shop didn't open at all because they were all too busy eating lots and lots of cake.
So they all lived happily ever after. The end. Time for bed. It's 11 o'clock in the morning, said Samantha. Oh, yes, so it is, said Nanny Piggins, checking her watch. Time for a nice slice of cake, then. The end. That's it from me. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just by a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. And now there's the audiobooks of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins and Friday Barnes Girl Detective as well. You can buy all these things through your local bookstore by ordering it in, or you can go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.